Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. So this is a special delight for me. This is our first podcast. And we, for me too. We've had three people on the cast at once. Oh it my feels, gosh. See you on the other side now feels like a morning zoo. <laughs> because joining us once again is Allison Jornlin, the founder of Milwaukee Ghosts. How are you doing, Allison? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike and Wendy? <laughs> Awesome. Thanks. Happy to have you as a guest again. I'm thanks so for, excited uh, to talk to thanks you. Thanks for joining us. Yay. We're so, excited too. Yeah. And Allison, this topic was actually your idea. Yes. So I have a I lot mean, of strange, strange ideas. You, you know? do have lots of weird ideas. I'll be sending them your way. Thank you. Probably on a daily basis, <laughs> as you know. Thank you. Uh, for those of you that uh, are new to the podcast, Allison is my sister. And a fellow weirdo. Full disclosure. That's right. And also, related, biologically. And also, they're both goobers because they were calling each other that right before <laughs> we started recording. Uh, generally, just dorks and geeks to the extreme. <laughs> yeah. Well, the definition of a geek, someone that will eat anything. And when... <laughs> Know that the definition of a geek. So when you say, so that's how it got to be. So I'm a geek about paranormal stuff. And That's a geek right. about horror movies because I will eat anything when it comes to the paranormal, including sin, when we ah, talked about the sin eaters last week. Sin eaters, yes. That's an intriguing topic as well. Well, sin eaters will get their own episode one of these days, but Absolutely. we talked about them in relation to the X-Files. Um, but speaking of sin, you know, who's the Lord of sin, the master of it? That, that's, that's our man, the devil. El Diablo! <laughs> love that guy. Um, anyway, don't really love it. Yeah, guy. and it's, it's, it's funny, though, that you were mentioning the, the sin eaters, because, you know, that's a Catholic thing, I think, right? Because we were raised Roman Catholic. We didn't, we didn't get all the... The weird Catholic stuff. We're kind of coming around to that now as we grow older and 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 finding, you know, just just how how weird Catholic belief can be. Yes. No. I mean, Catholicism is is completely steeped in its own mysticism and weird. I mean, even the the Rosary is pretty weird. Like I remember reading uh, something that they passed, like that we got in church one time about the Rosary. And it was like, well, the rosary is like a shield. It can protect you from evil. It protects you from sickness. It, and I'm like, what is this? I mean, I'm going to have to do the rosary. It protects us from evil. Like, I was all excited about it. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then like, what do you do? Like, it, you know, that is this shield. And it's just like a little thing of beads that you hold in your hand. And you say a bunch of Hail Marys. Well. And I'm like, that's a pretty lame shield. Well, and then beyond that, it's. Just the idea, like the larger idea that comes out of that, uh, that we are under siege. That the, we, well, our guest last week, Carol Mills, psychic medium from Florida, she talked about the war of the light and the dark. Right. And she was saying that she was expecting um, 
she was expecting something to happen because she's been getting more dark readings. Oh, it's ah. kind of like in Ghostbusters, right? When the when all the activity ramps up. That's and, right. And suddenly Zool is <laughs> right, on the, your tail. What did they it's say? The, the quickening. <laughs> yeah, the Winston when he talks about the dead rising from the grave. Oh, that's right. That is a horrible Ernie Hudson imitation. <laughs> you know the scene I'm talking about? Yes. When they're in the car, they're driving back, and he's like, well, I believe in Jesus. No, the, he's like, I bleakest, believe in God, and I love Jesus' style. <laughs> the bleakest and the deepest part of that movie. If you can find a, a, a depth to that movie, it, it's in that scene. It is in that scene, you know, because he's like, he asks... He asked Dan Aykroyd, he asked Ray, he was like, Ray, do you believe in God? And he goes, never met him in that, in that Dan Aykroyd style. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so there's this idea uh, that, you know, comes uh, from Catholicism that, that we are at war with the devil. And it's very topical that we're, ta- we're talking about this. No, no, uh, no accident. Uh, because we've seen in the news that next week, the uh, Vatican uh, has organized a week-long course titled Exorcism and Prayer of Liberation. And it's going to take place at the uh, European University of Rome next week, April uh, 13th to 18th. So if you're one of our listeners that's in Rome, you can check that out. But Wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got to talk about it. So the, you know, I wish they had an online course because I would totally the, the distance learning the University of Phoenix exorcism courses. <laughs> well, maybe right. they'll, maybe they'll do the thing like South by Southwest where they put all those sessions online after the fact. Right, cuz I I, know. I need protection from the devil too. Like well, no. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh no, but the exorcism and prayer liberation. So the Vatican's really putting on an exorcist course next week and well, actually, they do this every year. Okay, so every year they yeah, have a, this a is course the in exorcism. They make you watch the movie over and over again. So maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year we can go if it is an annual tradition. That would be an awesome field trip. Like, oh my gosh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, like what are you doing in Rome? Well, I'll probably see the Colosseum, and <laughs> you know, we definitely, you know, we definitely want to see some ruins, and we also are going to go to an exorcist course. Well, like the the whole idea of it, is, and it's for and it's for pastoral workers, so people in the church, but also for doctors, uh, priests, of course, uh, but also psychologists, teachers. Hey, I'm a teacher, so there you I, go. I, I need to take the course. That's my. Uh, I'm an I'm an amateur psychologist. You've seen the girls I've dated. Yes, absolutely. Hey, <laughs> hey, thanks. I'll be here. Where's the rim shot button? I know there should be. Bumps. But the idea of this is that they want to educate people, even lay people, about uh, demonic possession. And they want to give them some tools to distinguish demonic possession from, you know, garden variety psychosis or other forms of mental illness. Sure, because they're acknowledging that there's a difference between somebody being mentally ill and someone being possessed by the devil. Right. So, I mean, th- this is quite significant that, that they're doing this. Okay, so let's talk a little bit because, you know, everybody talks about this pope, right? Like he's, oh, man, this is the hip pope, man. This pope from South America, like he's the pope that... And I got to 
say atheists I really like can him. like. You know, he's he's the pope that people who don't like popes can like. Right. Absolutely. I really like this pope. I mean, he's really into helping people, social justice. I mean, and doesn't he, he drive a Ford Focus? <laughs> Does the Pope Mobile is now a that. Ford Focus. No, that's I, I me. Heard that he, that's me. I he, drive a Ford Focus. Maybe this is just a rumor, but I heard that he like declined, you know, all the higher end things because he said like that money can be used for, you know, to feed so many people. And, and I this thought that was really awesome. cool. This is awesome. I'm going to yeah, rename exactly. my car the Pope Mobile because it is a Ford Focus. This is I, I did not know that. I did not know that. But so you just ride in style just like the Pope. Yeah. Like the so, Pope. So Pope Francis, he's progressive in so many ways, but he's old school when it comes to the devil. <laughs> yeah. And this is like another frightening thing, another thing that makes you think, well, I mean, if this cool guy could believe in the devil, well, maybe I could. So, I mean, he... Here's yeah. a here's a direct. I, I don't know quote. about that. When, when you just think of, I mean, we're talking about Satan here, and we're talking about uh, an organ, a, a, a hierarchical organization that has used fear to control populations across millennia. Let's just throw that out there before we start saying I could believe in the devil too. Because he's a cool guy. Because he's a cool I mean, guy. Pope is a cool That's guy. like I smoke because Brad Pitt smokes. That's exactly <laughs> okay, right, what right. you're saying. All right. Well, I'm just saying, well, you know, maybe people are thinking maybe it's not so crazy because this Pope seems to be very forward thinking. And relatable. And- more and, so yeah. than yes, no. And he's, yet, the last pope was like a, a part of the Hitler Youth. Like it re- this guy really is. A, I mean, he really was part of the Hitler Youth. Um, it wasn't his fault, you know. I mean, everybody in Germany in 1930s, you weren't part of it, or you weren't. Um, but this guy is a completely different kind of pope. What does he say about the devil, Allison? Okay, well, this is an exact quote. This generation and many others have been led to believe that the devil is a myth, a figure. An idea, the idea of evil, but the devil exists, and we must fight against him. <laughs> so again, there, here's that idea that that we need to fear the devil, and we need to fight the devil actively in our lives, and and he 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 takes it right from Saint Paul that those are Saint Paul's words and the words to live by. And Saint Paul was the like he was one of the originals. Yeah, and so he. he I live calls, right by his. I live right by his city. He calls uh, the devil a liar, the father of lies. So, you know this this old idea. So from this very progressive pope, we're we're, we're having him bring this idea up again and say that you know, no 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 it is still a, relevant for our life today and you need to fight against him actively. And the best way to fight against him actively is to take this class on exorcism. <laughs> That's right. In Rome. So, so, so come to year. Rome and take the class on fighting the devil. Next year. I totally what, want to do it. Come what on. What kind like, of accent was that? I am a jerk. <laughs> well, at least you're coming around to that realization, Mike. <laughs> hey. Wow, goobers. Both of you are goobers. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> I'm just going to call you that every time you guys start bickering. <laughs> so the devil. <laughs> Love them. And yeah. exorcism. Uh Love. next week. You know who else loves the devil? Who's that? Who? The Yazidi. 
Okay, all right. The, well, the Yahoo's? <laughs> what? That's right. That's a good question. Okay. Be- before this, um, before this, we started talking about this podcast. I had never heard of the Yazidi. Right. So uh, the Yazidi, uh, they uh, come from Kurdistan. And so when you think of the Kurds, you should be also thinking of the Yazidi because many of these Kurdish people also hold hold the uh, Yazidi faith. And if you don't know who the Kurds are, they were they're a minority in Iraq that um, holds different spiritual beliefs than the uh, the Sunni Muslims that made up the rest of Iraq. They were like a persecuted minority in Iraq that Saddam Hussein was always beaten up. I mean, if you ever see the movie um, Three Kings, it kind of it kind of goes into how after the first Gulf War, we told the Kurds to rise up against Saddam Hussein because we would back them up. And then once we kicked Saddam Hussein out of uh, Kuwait and then we had our oil and stuff like that, we told the Kurds, you're on your own. So, so that's kind of what Three Kings, the movie, deals with. So it's kind of like, um, kind of like a repeat of the history of like with the uh, the Hmong people in Vietnam. Yeah, except we brought all the. I mean, at least we brought all the Hmong people over. Right. So why aren't we bringing the Kurds over, Mike? I don't know. There's plenty of room in Montana. <laughs> Absolutely. And Nevada. I mean, they're already living in a desert. Come to Nevada. You could make the rest of it green. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway, those guys are stuck. I mean, the Kurds. I, there's a great Vice episode. Um, Vice is a show on HBO that deals with news and the Vice news organization. Um, and it goes into how the Kurds really are like one of the last lines of civilized defense in the Middle East. You know, they're fighting ISIS on their own. You know, and the, and the Kurds believe in democracy. The Kurds believe in women's rights. They're not Saudi Arabia. You know, they're not Iran. These, I mean, the Kurds are more modern in, in their beliefs and their actions and stuff like that. And they've kind of, like Kurdistan is its own kind of thing right now, fighting the Islamic State. And uh, the Yazidi um, are part of that population. So I just want to give you a little background. Like we've all heard the term Kurds, but where it comes from, they're a minority group inside of Iraq. Yeah. So the, the sect within the, the uh, Kurds called the Yazidi, you, you, you might think you don't know. I keep know saying that. it. I keep on saying, saying it wrong. I'm, I I'm, know, saying, it, I'm I... saying it like, I'm saying it like baked Zidi. How do you know how to, how do you know how to say it? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of research and uh, uh, a lot, right, of, a lot of research on the BBC website even... and watching videos and seeing how they pronounce it. The Yazidi. But gotcha. I'm pretty sure it's the Yazidi, but I, I could be totally slaughtering their name as well. And hopefully okay. not, because, you know, these are people who, you know, as you said, you know, are very progressive in a lot of ways, but, you know, they've been terribly persecuted and, uh, Actually, not not figuratively, but but literally slaughtered by by many many groups uh, throughout the ages. So and, it, and they're just in the news, yeah. Because Wednesday, April eighth, ISIS released over two hundred um, Yazidi prisoners that they had taken, and ISIS has been particularly nasty uh, to the Yazidi 
because, and we'll get to this, because the Yazidi to a lot of Muslims are considered devil worshipers. That's right. And, and that's and that's kind of why we're talking about them today. And so if if you think you don't know the Yazidi, well, you might. Because if you read um, horror author H.P. Lovecraft, or if you've seen the movie The Exorcist, or if you've read Anton LaVey's The Satanic Bible, you <laughs> Which know... Which is so funny. You yeah. wouldn't go into most situations. You'd be like, have you read the latest Oprah Book Club? Okay. <laughs> have you read the Satanic Bible? Well, I'm just saying, it's out there. It's literature, right? It is. And and just to touch on the, the Lovecraft, um, I was given the assignment to read, because I don't think I've ever actually read any Lovecraft before. I know that sounds really strange. Maybe I did. I don't know. I'm back. No, it's probably not, because it wasn't assigned in school. And H.P. Lovecraft wasn't popular for like 40 years. Like He was okay. out of circulation for a long time. Well, and wait, let me just interject that, that we almost lost all of H.P. Lovecraft's work i gotta interject this this local connection because i mean he was largely unknown and the only reason he became as well known as, as he is today and and maybe maybe you know you don't you don't know him but you know a lot of other authors like neil gaiman for example that have been heavily in, influenced by hp lovecraft and sure, only stephen reason, king too the yep. mist is completely a lovecraft story yep the only reason that you know of him is because of august derleth who is a writer from wisconsin who was friends with H.P. Lovecraft in life. And when H.P. Lovecraft died, he, he took it upon himself to uh, make sure that that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's uh, works of fiction wouldn't die. And o- o- opened Arkham Publishing uh, in Wisconsin, and that's why uh, the, the writings... Uh, of H.P. Lovecraft, you know, still live on today. But I'm really sorry, Wendy, that you had to read. <laughs> well, I, I, it's a horrible, horrible what? story. I just, I just want to thank just... you, Mike, for assigning me this because you this morning, this morning I um got up and I went to the coffee shop and I was like, you know, I had my my nice fresh cup of coffee and I've got my Kindle with the the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft and and I dive in to read. Uh, the horror at Red Hook, which which was the one that you suggested that I read, and um, wow, that was a horrible way to start the day. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Dark, dark way to start start the day, I should say. I, I was like, I kind of had to keep rereading some of the paragraphs because I I was like, but <laughs> no, I know I know but what you mean. It's not exactly a wake up, have some coffee, and and get your day going kind of story, I guess is what it's, I'm trying to say. It's not a good feeling story. And I was going to say one more thing. When you, uh, when, you go f- when you drive from Madison to Sauk City, so August Derleth was also editor at the Wisconsin State Journal. But uh, he, when you drive from Madison to Sauk City, you cross the August Derleth Memorial Bridge. Oh, cool. I'll so, take notice next time. Yeah, I mean, he really, I mean, and it's really cool that this author and this journalist um, kept the like the Thulu myth- mythos alive for all for all of us to enjoy, you know, uh, ninety years later after he wrote them. Um, but yeah, so this is Wendy's first H.P. Lovecraft story, and that's that is always it's always nice to sacrifice a virgin <laughs> on the altar of Lovecraft. Oh goodness! Yeah, but it's it's a terrible introduction because I was gonna say like, is that what is that? I mean, typical of his writing, or was that one? Well, I mean, even darker than I, I don't know. Um, like, he is really, really dark. So okay, 
Um, so but HP, it's not a very well-written story, even according to you yeah. know people that are really um, into H.P. Lovecraft. And, and H.P. Lovecraft really is about the tininess of humanity in the okay. universe in an uncaring and um, in an uncaring and completely amoral universe that humans are like bugs in it. Well, I didn't get that impression at all from reading that story. Okay. But, um, but with, with respect to the dark thing, I mean, okay, now I see why all the goths like him. That's why he's at hot topic. Like, you right. know, all of his characters and stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, but I, he, he was like the father of like cosmic horror. The, okay. you know, the, sure. the idea of, you know, a menace from space or a menace, um, you know, that is older than us and, and, uh, you know, maybe like, uh, something mysterious that even emanates from inside the planet. I mean, th- those ideas like, like come from him. I mean, okay. And I, I definitely picked up on that. And, um, the story was written in 1925. So, you know, I, I went into it knowing that and kind of, kind of trying to, to think of the mindset of somebody in that era. Yeah. And it just, I mean, man, it was really, okay, just to give the audience a little bit of context, if you haven't read um, The Horror at Red Hook, it's, you know, it's about this event that occurred in New York. And um, certain characters who experience this very, like, evil, evil event. And it's just very macabre. <laughs> Yeah. And the the descriptions of things are I mean it just gives you the creeps kind of actually reading it. I and mean, what's what's most sad about it is is HP Lovecraft like <laughs> like he didn't get out much. He did live in New York right. for a short period, but not very cosmopolitan. A, as you can tell, like you know the city is not his natural environment and <laughs> he he literally didn't get out much. I mean, he was a uh, recluse no. and he was very sickly as a child. And then so he didn't meet people that were different than he was, and, uh, <laughs> except for that very short stint living in New York City. And that was like too much for him, like a baptism of fire mm. where, you know, he wasn't used to people looking different or, you know, having different right. cultures. <laughs> and, and you can tell in that story, it's, it's known as clear. his most racist story. Yeah, um, there, there's definitely, I mean, there were some things where I was like, yeah. did, they, did they ask me to read this just like yeah. to see what, you know, kind of put me on edge or what? But it's uh, it's that's pretty caustic. But for this discussion, the importance of it is he does talk about um, the Yazidi and right? he, he calls them um this this clan of devil worshippers well let me let me give you the quote okay oh here we go and most of the people he conjectured were of mongoloid stock originating somewhere in or near kurdistan and malone could not help recalling that kurdistan is the land of the yazidis last survivors of the persian devil worshippers and it just i mean that quote mongoloid stock Last survivors of the Persian devil worshippers. Um, it's the other as evil. And Lovecraft in the story, he really treats the other as terrifyingly evil. Oh, oh, just like disgusting, morbid. I mean, and the story, you know, it's very much like, oh, these immigrants are coming in and they're sneaking in and this through this underground passageway into this underground lake and like they're getting through and everybody needs to find them and um and then, like you said, the description of, of the, the activities therein. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just, ugh, yeah. 
And it, I think it's inter. I mean, I think it makes you feel well, dirty, doesn't it, Wendy? It does. You got to think. I was at the coffee shop. That. I was. I was wondering if the people around me were like, happened to notice my facial expressions as I was reading my Kindle. Well, what, what and I it find- is shocking when you read those stories. Yeah. I read like I read the entire the entirety of Lovecraft's output on a trip to Europe, like seven years ago now, and I just read the whole thing and the whole and the whole time you're like, I can't believe you just said that. Did it and, eat you up? And I read H.P. Lovecraft every day for like two weeks. And I'm like, oh, you know, you you really do. You're like, okay, he thinks of anyone foreign um, and not, I mean, not just foreign, because the thing is the hero of the uh, horror at Red Hook is Irish, Irish born. And that's, right. that's something that's like, right. <laughs> that's something that him and also his fellow writer uh, who created Conan, Robert E. Howard, um, they had a thing for the Celtic and the English and the Irish um, as the quote unquote, like the, the superior race, the, the master race. And, he, and the bad guy in the horror Red Hook is Dutch. And there's nobody the English like to make fun of more than the Dutch. My people. Think about it. Well, think about it. Going Dutch. Going Dutch is like saying you're, you're stingy. Che- is saying you're cheap. <laughs> Well, you know, I think the, you guys... the, du- the Dutch oven is a horrible Going thing to, to happen Oh, come to on. You. Well, I think you guys probably, you'll want to do a whole show maybe on H.P. Oh, yeah. Lovecraft and, and how he, he's... He's, yeah, um, we're, on a, we're on a tangent now, sorry. Yeah, we totally are. But because uh, he's really influenced a lot of modern writers so much. And there's actually, I, I'd love to be on for that one too, because there's actually a lot of Lovecraft books um, for kids now, there's there's uh, writers, uh, children's writers who are taking a lot of his ideas. And it's put, friendly Cthulhu. Yeah, your kids too can have nightmares. Like in elementary school level books, oh or um, even young. There's a young adult series. So there's several series that are spinning off of his ideas. So we'll have to come back to this at, at another time because you know there is so much to the topic of H.P. Lovecraft, but for this discussion... But I think it goes back into the Yazidi. Yeah. They are the other. I mean, they're yeah. they're not only the other to... I mean, not only the other as people who come into... You know, like people that come into the United States as immigrants. They're the other in the Middle East. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, this idea of, of not knowing, I think that's what scares people the most. And then you can have these terrible ideas about someone until you really get to know them. So, you know, we mentioned H.P. Lovecraft, but also there's a there's an exorcist connection, right? Yeah. So now we should get into um, who the Yazidi... So the reason they're called devil worshipers is because um, they believe that in the beginning, God created seven different kinds of... Uh, seven different beings to watch over the universe. And this is before Adam and Eve. And um, when when they created, when God created Adam and Eve, uh, God told these seven beings that they had to bow down before Adam and Eve. And one of the beings named Melek Taus would not bow down before Adam and Eve. And it, this is the character that people associate with the devil. Um, because Melaktaus has, it looks like a bird, you know, so statues of Melaktaus and this, this, this 
entity that God created to watch over creation. Um, number one, he disobeyed God, like Satan, like Lucifer. Um, but he disobeyed God, he said, because Adam and Eve were made from earth. And uh, the, be- the seven beings that God created at the beginning of the universe were made from heaven. And so um, Melchthaus considered this a test, that God was giving them a test. And that's why he rebelled against God. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, but but first, let's talk about like the exorcist. Like, how are those two things connected, Wayne? Well, the the thing is that Melchthaus was a bird. I mean, Melchthaus it looks it's avian imagery. That's right, because he's called the peacock angel. And um, you know, the Assyrians also had a lot of bird-like demons, flying demons, spirits of the desert wind, and one was a scaly-winged demon, and that was Pazuzu, who was featured in The Exorcist. That was the the demon that they were driving out of. Um, oh, I can't remember. What was the name of the girl in The Exorcist? Oh, I can't remember. Linda Blair. I, Linda I, Blair was yeah. obviously the I, actress. I do remember the scene, though, where, where you see a close-up of that statue of Pazuzu. And, and it looks like a demon bird. Frightening that was. And that was... You know, out in the desert, in this this bleak foreign landscape, you know, and to see this frightful image. And so it's it's using the imagery of uh, the Yazidi. Um, to it's Reagan. To, oh, thank you, thank Sorry. you, Reagan. <laughs> to and you know, I've never met any cool girls named Reagan, okay. so I think they all were possessed. Um, <laughs> But so, the thing, so they were using that imagery to terrify people. They were using yeah. the imagery of the Yazidi saying, "Is it something evil and satanic?" Right, and and not necessarily because that was Pazuzu, but it was from the same homeland that the Yazidi are from. And I so, think he even talks about being in Iraq. Like I think that uh, Father, oh, uh, that's Father right. Marin, the character that Max von Sydow plays, right, uh, talks about being in Iraq. Right, and then um, there's also. Um, in the Satanic Bible, Anton LaVey refers again to the Yesidi as the sect, sect of devil worshippers. And, um, you know, saying that, that he wasn't a bird. I mean, he was actually an embodiment of Satan. So, that's, so this character from their mythology that rebels against God and has, a, you know, has this weird bird-like peacock god visage... Um, then to outsiders, this looks like these guys are worshiping the devil. Holy crap. And so then people that were trying to popularize that that idea like Anton LaVey. Now, now Anton LaVey, you know. He Satanist, was a showman. What was that? Showman? Satanist? We're not sure, you know, how You know, we're not sure how, how deep his beliefs uh were were in an actual devil. But yeah, I don't think I don't think Anton Levey believed he loved the symbolism. Right. And so he was using that symbolism and saying, hey, check out what, what yeah. they're doing. Is that that different than what I'm doing? Yeah. And I mean let's have really, an orgy. It could really be argued that the, the the Church of Satan today is is more akin to uh atheist than any actual devil worship. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We so go, I, I th- we think people don't, in, in don't, depth. don't get that connection 
a lot that that they're not actually worshiping the devil. They're they're not worshiping anyone, but maybe themselves. But um, so for me, when when I heard about the um, Yazidi a few years back, it was in a, a Forty and Times article, my favorite magazine from England, Forty and Times. Hello, Forty and Times, Governor. But uh, anyway, they had an article in there about the uh, Yazidi, and that was the first time I had heard of them. And to me, um, the description of this peacock angel was really quite beautiful and um, really. Well, let me let me talk about Melek Taus for a second. Yeah, let's talk about him. Because we just talked about it. He was the angel who thought he was being tested by God. And so um, he is an emanation of God and a good, benevolent angel who redeemed himself from his fall. Um, and he repented by weeping for 7,000 years. His tears filled seven jars, which quenched the fires of hell. He's the leader of the archangels, not still fallen or still degraced, but forgiven. And now he's an emanation of God himself. Now, to me, that, that idea... You know, growing up Catholic, and you know, we talked about at that in the beginning of the episode how you know we're we're supposed to be still at war with with the devil every day. Um, oh, I am. Yeah, yeah, but you know that idea is so so much different than the Yazidi idea that this this character, um, be it the devil or not, there are a lot of um, people who would say. It is actually supposed to represent the devil. But the idea that the devil could be reconciled and redeemed, that he that the devil could apologize and actually be on the same side of God. I mean to me sorry about all those souls. <laughs> yeah. But to y- me Yikes, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but but to me that is like the ultimate in redemption. I was just like so touched by that for real. And I think everybody should have that, you know, think of that idea at least once. So I'm glad we're well, doing this podcast. The possibility that, that you know, maybe evil is just in the hearts of men or, you know, just, just a human thing. And it has nothing to do with... It's not a force outside of us that, yeah. that acts upon us. Nobody's mm-hmm. making you do it. You made the decision. It's all you taking right. responsibility. Well, that's, yes, another, that's another thing of the church, free will, you know? I mean, that's a big thing of the church, free will. So saying that, you know, this evil and good exist within us and we can decide to do whatever we decide. Because we know, like, you know, there's a little something in your head that says like, hey, you really shouldn't be doing this. And then there's the other side's like, yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, it's like that scene in Nash, um, uh, Animal House with the angel and the devil on the soul. Right, right. Which but- would not... Which would not be in a movie today. Oh gosh! No. Like you would not get that by today. They'd be like, "Um, she's passed out." Anyway, oh my gosh. Uh, the angel and the devil inside of us, and uh, Melek Taus has redeemed himself, and <clears throat> I think that's cool. That, yeah, that that is a cool thing. That and that brings me back to, um, you know, there are always stories from. Uh, Catholicism about how forgiving God can be. Um, I remember a book where they talk about the forgiveness of vampires 
And this is a book from uh, called Those Who Hunt the Night by an author named Barbara Hambly. And in that book, um, she tells a story from early Catholic mythology, how there was this guy that was so horrible, and he went to the Vatican, and, he, and um, you know, the Pope said to him, or some high-level priest said to him, that my staff has much of a chance as blooming flowers overnight, as God forgiving you for what you've done. And then the next morning they woke up and his staff had bloomed flowers. Wow. So that idea that, you know, even if you're the, I mean, the devil is the worst. Like we can say like, who's the worst guy, you know, and it'd be like, oh yeah, that guy, Gene, he's horrible. Well, the devil's worse than Gene, you know, <laughs> way worse than Gene. And meanwhile, someone named Gene is out there going, Aww. what? Why I got to be picking on me? <laughs> They said I'm the worst. <laughs> uh, um, so that, that God would even forgive Gene, and then he'd forgive the devil. He really got it out for Gene. I, I didn't even ever yeah, meet this I, person. I do. Anyway, but um, so that's their, uh, you know, that is the, the devil that other people say that the Yazidi worship, and that's been an excuse to beat them up for centuries. To, to persecute them for centuries. Yeah, it, it um, kind of comes around to that where, all right, so they believe in redemption and the ultimate redemption, and yet people from the outside are persecuting them mercilessly and in the name of God. Well, Saddam Hussein um, forcibly relocated them to collective villages and subjected them to quote-unquote Arabization encouraging them to abandon their language and their culture and everything. And um, in August 14, 2007, there was an attack involving four truck bombs that claimed the life of at least 500 Yazidis in two villages, and it wounded more than 1,500. And it was the second deadliest terrorist attack of all time, 9-11 being the first. Wow. So, uh, right, people treat these guys Really bad. Right. They slaughter them mercilessly. And, you know, one one kind of aside about them is I think it's lettuce that they won't eat uh, because, and it's funny to think of, you know, somebody that won't eat lettuce, but they won't eat lettuce because of a, a historic slaughter of Yazidi people that, that happened in a field of lettuce. And so they still remember that you know that's kind of their pledge uh to abstain from lettuce to remember all of those before them that that uh have been slaughtered uh, by the, their persecutors because they uh these people were slaughtered in the field of lettuce and then the so the blood on the lettuce uh made made the lettuce itself impure to to the Yazidi people well i i agree with them Cause you I hate, you hate lettuce. Yeah, I think they just put it on our food to try and make us think we're getting more food than we it's, are. It's basically water in a solid yeah. form. You're giving us solid water. You might as well put ice. You might as well put ice on my veggie burger. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, there there is a one other thing uh, about um uh the Yazidi too, which is uh there are some. Some people that uh, talk about uh, a reference to uh, the Yazidi in um, a book by uh, 
Gurdjieff, who um, was a, a philosopher, um, and he wrote about about being uh, near Mount Ararat. So for all you uh, all you fans of um, of uh, Noah and don't they think the, the ark, ark is in Mount Ararat? Yeah, they think it's in Mount Ararat. But anyway, so so uh, Gurdjieff was. Uh, was in these lands uh, near Mount Ararat and saw in, in 1888 this uh, this little boy who was weeping and making strange movements um, and he he couldn't couldn't seem to get out of this circle in the sand that was drawn around him by other boys. Now I'm not sure what to make of that, but you know there was this. Uh, idea that they could be imprisoned um, by nothing more than if you draw a circle of sand around them and they couldn't get out. Like a mime that's trapped in, in one of those boxes. Yeah, I don't get it. Exactly I don't like. get it. I mean, that's something for further exploration, maybe. But but then uh, Gurdjieff used that idea as kind of um, a part of his philosophy where where we should all be thinking about what circles in the sand are we trapped in? I mean, okay. circle in the sand. Yeah, what, what um, impediments do do we put in front of ourselves that we're we're not able to free ourselves from? You, you know, it's kind of like like just a mind trap. And uh, but for me, the the whole idea of you know a kid being unable to escape. From a circle, I am you know I'm not quite sure, you know what what that was. If there's there's some kind yeah, of belief weird. associated with that. Speaking of things that can't escape from stuff, now uh, there was one part of about Melaktaus that we forgot to talk about, and that's one of the reasons why the Muslims treat the Yazidi like devil worshippers, and that's because the story of Melaktaus is very similar to the story of the jinn, Iblis, in Islam. Okay, jinn is the ge- genies, and genies are trapped in lamps. And But the thing is, unlike the genie in Aladdin, which was nice, and Robin Williams and told a lot of funny jokes. Or I Dream of Genie. Or I Dream of Genie, who was sexy, no belly button, <laughs> but came out to do nice stuff for... Still um, had midriff, though. <laughs> still had, right, in the 60s. Uh, like, uh, came and did nice stuff for Larry Hangman. Um, well, uh, Iblis, it's the same story where, uh, Iblis wouldn't bow towards Adam just like, uh, Melek Taus wouldn't. But while Melek Taus apologized, cried for 7,000 years and came back to being in grace with God, uh, in Islam, Iblis, uh, becomes Satan. So the, the Yazidi actually believe you know, when, when they consider uh, Melek Taus as part of their, you know, religion as a good part, I mean, any Muslim that sees it says the exact same story, except in our story, this guy became the devil. And so that's just uh, when we talk about how cultures have parallel stories and how the same kinds of mythology, one can go one way and one can go the other. I mean, that's really where... Um, you can get to the point of people killing each other, each other over mythology. 
So I just wanted to make sure we talked about that and, and the differences between um, uh, Islam, Christianity, and Yazidism. Yeah. Well, well, to me, I'm, you know, if if I had to choose between thinking of the idea that, oh, you know, the devil is still bad. He's so bad. And he's like fighting us every day. And the idea that, you know what? He apologized and he's redeemed. I like the second option better. I got to say it's a, a more forgiving, loving universe. I agree, but if I had to choose, I would probably choose the religion that didn't have us be pawns in a game of cosmic powers, just like an H.P. Lovecraft story. Right. Nice tie-in, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, let's get to the song of the week. Yes, and before we do that, if you'd like to see the links to all these things, um, you can go to othersidepodcast.com slash... 35. We're at 35 already. That's hard to believe. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's where the show notes are. And you can always find those for any any of the episodes by um, visiting our website. So, Allison, thank you for joining us this week. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs? Oh, it was great talking with you guys. And you can find me at MilwaukeeGhosts.com. Awesome. Thank you, Allison. It was really nice to talk to you. And we appreciate your your insight on this topic and your expertise on the Yazidi. That's right. So this week's song is inspired by our discussion on how people can hold grudges for centuries and how we hold grudges in our own life. This song is called Barbed Wire Heart. tight to me, righteousness just like a shield. My indignation is a wound I'll never heal. Slice and jabs and every single pain. Long memory plays every scar
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.